guys. Oh, so like, uh, like Biscuit said, my name is Chip or Pastor Chip or Wagon Master Emeritus Chip, whatever you want to call me. Either Any one of those is fine. Um, and uh, I'm so, so excited to be here with you guys this week because I love Hume, I love camp, and, and I love getting to open up the Word of God and, uh, and to see what, what God has for us. And so I'm so blessed this week to be able to open up the Word of God with you. A little bit about myself before we jump in. Um, I said my name is Chip. That's not my real name. My real name is Aaron, I know. Um, dropping truth bombs right off the top here. Um, but, uh, but you can call me Chip or Aaron. Either one's fine, I guess. Uh, I grew up in a little town some of you may have heard of called Bakersfield, California. Um, handful of you. I grew up in, in Bakersfield. Uh, I was a youth pastor there for a while before coming up here uh, to Hume. I actually spent about four years living up here year-round where I uh, ran wagon trains. Anybody in here been to wagon train? Oh, a few of you. Those are the coolest kids in the room. Find them. Those are the cool ones. All right. Uh, sorry, the rest of you guys. Go to Wagon Train. You'll get cooler. Anyway, um, so I, I ran Wagon Train, and I also uh, helped to run Outdoor Education. Has anyone in here ever been to Outdoor Education? Guys, you're, you're, you're here now, right now. This is right. All right, the people who didn't have their hands raised, they're the ones who aren't the sharpest, but that's okay. Anyway, um, so uh, I, I spent about four years up here. I've been off the mountain now for almost three years uh, in a little town called Kingsburg, uh, which is a little kind of farming town south of Fresno. Uh, I am the children's pastor at a church there called Grace Church of the Valley. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a sweet place. I have, uh, I'm married. I have two little boys, Grant and Caleb. Caleb is two and Grant is five. Um, but Grant is the size of a two-year-old, and Caleb is the size of, uh, I don't know, like a, a bush baby, maybe? Um, my wife and I are small people. Our children are small children. Uh, but you guys will see them around. If you see them, feel free to say hi. Uh, don't call them bush babies. Uh, I probably shouldn't have given you that ammunition. Anyway, um, but they'll be around this week, uh, so feel free to say hi to us if you see us walking around. Um, well, this week, we're going to be talking about the idea of truth. We're going to be talking about the concept of truth. And we're going to be tracing this idea of truth through the book of John, through the book of John. Now, if you, if you know anything about the Bible, and you guys all go to Christian schools, I'm sure you have great Bible classes. You probably know this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. The book of John is what kind of book? Do you know? It's a gospel. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. The first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are the four Gospels, and what does a Gospel do? A Gospel tells us the story of the life of Jesus. So we're going to be looking at the life of Jesus in the book of John, and we're going to see what that tells us about this concept of truth, because we're, we're building this whole week, this whole theme around this question that Pilate up here that was Brutus, the guy with the gavel, right, the big Rottweiler, um, Brutus, Pilate, asks this question. In the trial of Jesus, Jesus, Jesus says that those who, who know the truth know him, and then Pilate says, what is truth? So we're going to look at that question. So I think um, in that, I want to start off with a little bit of a game. You guys ever played Two Truths and a Lie? Yeah. So you know how the game works, right? Yeah. All right, I'm going to give you 
three facts, well, actually two facts and one lie, uh, about myself, and I want you guys to tell me which one you think is true. So I'll tell you all three, and then we're going to kind of take a poll and see which one you think is, is the lie, okay? So here are three things about me. Um, I am one of two people to ever ride a jet ski at Hume Lake. Um, I got engaged to be married when I was still in high school, all right? Um, and I once won a dishwasher on The Price is Right, okay? So think about which one of those you think is a lie. Think about which one of those you think is a lie. Let's say, all right, let's see. Who thinks, who thinks, who thinks the fact that I am one of only two people to ride a jet ski at Hume Lake, who thinks that's a lie? Okay. Um, who thinks that I got engaged in high school is a lie? Okay. Who thinks that I won a dishwasher on The Price is Right is a lie? If your hand's up right now, you are correct. That is the lie. I was a senior. Anyway, um, so my wife and I have been married for almost 14 years, so do the math on that. Anyway, um, so this question that we're asking this week, this question that Pilate asked, this question that has echoed down throughout history that we've been asking for thousands of years, this question of what is truth is a question that comes up in every generation. And right now, this is a question that is being asked in our own culture. See, Pontius Pilate, the, the Roman governor, he asked it 2,000 years ago as Jesus stood before him on trial. But we live in a world, in a culture, where we're constantly asking this same question. What is truth? Not just what is true, but what is truth itself? Is there even such a thing as truth? Because we see we're hungry for truth. We desperately want to know what is real and what is not, what is true and what is false. We desperately want to be able to understand the world around us, but we live in this world that has rejected truth. More and more, people in our world are saying there's no such thing as objective truth. Now, I know some of you guys might know what that means. I'll bet most of you don't. We can talk about the idea of objective truth and subjective truth. Objective truth means that it's true whether you like it or not. Objective truth means that it is absolutely true. Two plus two equals four. That is objectively true. I don't care about your opinions on it. It's just the facts, right? If I have two pizzas and you give me two pizzas, I now have four pizzas. That's what objective truth is. But we live in a world that's more and more saying, hey, there's no such thing as objective truth. There's only subjective truth. What is subjective truth? Well, it's kind of an oxymoron in and of itself, but subjective means that, that it's only true if I feel like it's true or if it's, if it's true relative to other things, if, if, it's, if it has a truthiness kind of to it, right? And so, so we live in a world that is denying the existence of objective truth denying that there are really things that are true no matter what we think or feel. There are things that are absolutely 
always and forever true. More and more, our world is rejecting that. And we start to hear terms like living your truth, your truth and my truth, their truth, his truth, her truth. We we start to make truth this thing that is personal to everybody rather than something that we can all agree on because it's there. And so we have this, we think that living our truth, that it offers some kind of freedom, some kind of, of happiness or some kind of safety. Never mind that it's this chasing of our own truth, this living our own truth that has led to more and more depression and anxiety, especially among teenagers, than we've ever seen before. Why is that? It's because something is missing. Because if we live in this world where everyone's just kind of living their own truth, everybody's missing something. If you're living your truth, and you're living your truth, and you're living your truth, and you guys over here, you're living your truth, and I'm living mine then something's missing. Because you have your truth, and you have your truth, and you have your truth, and you have your truth, but do you know what's missing? The truth is missing. The real, objective truth is missing. Because we're all just kind of doing our own thing, but there's no objective truth. There's nothing bigger than us. We're missing purpose. We're missing conviction. We're missing direction. We're missing understanding. We're missing truth. And why does our society deny truth? Because the idea that there is a truth out there, there are things that are really always true, no matter what we think or feel about them. The idea that there really is an objective, solid, firm foundation, there really is truth out there, it's the idea that there is a standard that there's something outside of myself that I am accountable to. Something outside of me that has power over me. Something outside of me that I have responsibility to. Something outside of me that, that has control, that has authority. We reject that idea because we don't like the idea of a standard outside of ourselves. But the only way we can know anything is if we have an objective standard. I need somebody to help me out. So can you come up and help me out? Yes. All right. Come up on stage, yeah. All right, what's your name? Ava. Ava? Mm -hmm. Everybody say hi, Ava. Hi, Ava. Ava, do you mind if I measure you? I want to see how tall you are. Is that okay? This might be embarrassing. This might be, hey, you know what? I'm a grown man. I'm 5'6", all right? There's nothing to be embarrassed about. All right. Yeah. That's the global average. It's global average. All right? Just, yeah, just go ahead and step right here. All right. All right. Okay. How tall do we think Ava is, guys? Ava? Ava? Hey, I've got news for you. Ava here has a future in the WNBA because you are six foot seven. She's six foot seven, you guys. Six seven. Ava, that's incredible. I've, never, I've measured a lot. Of, I've done this a, a few times. I've measured a lot of kids, but never six seven. You must be the tallest person I've ever seen in my life. Is it backwards? What? No, no. It's, 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 six, it's six. Do you guys believe that Ava's six seven? No. But wait, why not? Wait, 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 wait. 
what, what if, what if it's, what if it's Ava's truth that she's 6'7"? Is she 6'7"? Whoa, 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 guys, 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 come on, come on, all right. Come on, be kind here, all right? It's my truth that Ava's 6'7", right? Is she 6'7"? Why? Because, I'm not going to tell them how tall you really are. You can go sit down, thank you. I don't mind. She's, uh, she's almost five feet tall. That's the same, yeah, she's 4'11". Anyway, okay, so, so, guys, how do you know that Ava isn't 6'7"? Because Ava was standing up here with an objective measure. Now, none of you guys saw what was on the tape measure, but you also have an idea of what 6'7 would look like. And you know that, uh, sorry, you're probably not. Uh, but, but the only reason, the only reason that you can say, no, she's not 6'7 is because you understand that there is an objective standard for what 6'7 is, right? And it's like, you know, somewhere around there. There. Okay, guys, I get it. I'm short, all right? You don't have to rub it in. All right. So, so the reason you can know that she's not 6'7 is because you know that 6'7 means something. Why? Because there's a standard. There is a standard for what 6'7 is. There is an objective truth which we're measured against. Well, when we talk about this in in terms of measurements, in terms of mathematics, in terms of, of height or length, we understand it. But what about the bigger truths in life? What about questions about who we are, why we're here, what our purpose is, what our life is supposed to be? Is there an objective truth to those things? Because that's where it matters more. Whether Ava is 4'11 or 6'7, honestly doesn't matter that much. Doesn't really matter at all. But what does matter is why is she here? Why is she on this planet? Why are you on this planet? Why am I on this planet? What, what is our purpose? What is our purpose? What is this whole world about? We need this truth. We need this truth. In Greek philosophy, thousands of years ago, the Greek philosophers talked about this idea of a truth that would make sense of the universe. Of this, this measuring tape, if you will, this standard that would make sense of the universe. And they called it the word. In Greek, it's the logos. They talked about this idea of the logos. This standard, this measuring tape, this metric that would make sense of the world. This truth that would put all other truths into frame, that we might understand them. That's the truth that we're going to look at this week. This logos, this truth that defines all other truth. This word. And we see this word in the book of John, starting in John chapter 1. So open there with me. John chapter 1. Now, I'm willing to bet that John chapter 1 is familiar to many of you. It's a, it's a verse we go to often. But let's keep in mind just the power of that word, word. That word is referring to this truth by which all other truths make sense. And John 1.1 1, 1 says this. 
In the beginning was the Word, the Logos. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things, listen to this, all things were made through him, and without him, not anything was made that was made. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, he was with God in the beginning, all things were made through him, and without him, not anything was made that was made. So that truth that we're talking about, that truth that makes sense of everything else, that objective standard by which we measure all other truth claims, that truth is a person. That truth is God, the Word. He's a person. He is God. So when we talk about truth, we need to understand that all truth is God's truth, that God himself is truth. How? Well, Scripture talks about this a lot. In John 17, verse 3, it tells us that God is the only true God. And it's not just there. We see it throughout all of Scripture. We see the idea that the God of the Bible, the God who is shown to us in this book, who reveals himself to us in this book, the God who made the heavens and earth, the Alpha and Omega, the God who had no beginning and has no end, he is the only true, real God. There are many other things and people throughout history who have claimed to be God, but all of them are false. The only true God is the God of Scripture. So when we say that God is truth, we mean that he is the only true God, but that's not all we mean. We also mean that God always tells the truth. That God always tells the truth. In Deuteronomy chapter 18... You turn there. Deuteronomy 18, verse 22, we see this. When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, in the name of God, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously, and you need not be afraid of him. What's it saying there? It's saying if someone comes and claims they're speaking for God, and what they say isn't true, then they're not speaking for God. Why? Because everything that God says is true. He is the only true God, and everything that he says is always 100% true. And even to push it further than that, in the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 45, verse 19, we see this. I did not speak in secret in a land of darkness. I did not say to the offspring of Jacob, or sorry, I did not say to the offspring of Jacob, seek me in vain. I, the Lord, speak the truth. There it is again. God speaks the truth. Now listen to this. And I declare what is right. It says, I, the Lord, speak the truth. And I declare what is right. So when we say that God is the truth, we mean that, yes, he's the true God, the only true God. We mean that everything that he says is true. And also, he is the one who declares what truth is. 
He is the one who decides what truth is. He is the standard. He is the metric. He is the truth by which all other truth claims are measured. God's words are the ultimate standard of truth because God only speaks truth because God declares what is true. He decides it. He determines it. So then the question that arises in my mind and maybe in yours as well is why? Why does God get to declare what is truth? I mean, Chip, you're standing up there and you're telling me that I don't get to declare what my truth is, that I can't have my truth and and they can't have their truth and that person over there can't have their truth. So then why does God get his truth? If I can't declare what truth is, then why can God declare what truth is? And you want to know the answer? Because he's God and because you're not. Because he's God and because I'm not. Because he's God and because we're not. So he declares truth and we don't. He decides what is true and we don't. Now we can try to decide what we think is true, but just us thinking it doesn't make it true. God is God, and we are not. He is holy. That's the word we use to describe this idea that God is different, that he's set apart, that he's distinct, different in kind from everything else in all of creation. In all all of existence, there are two categories. One category is God, and the other category is absolutely everything else. And over in this category... Do you know what's here? Just God. And in this category, do you know what's here? Everything else. The angels are over here. You and I are over here. Rocks and trees and sticks and dirt and fudge brownies. We're all over here. And then over here is God. All right, so (laughs) I hate to break it to you. So God is holy. He is different. He is set apart. And I want to show you just two ways that he's set apart. Two two aspects of his holiness. Two things that show us exactly why he gets to declare what is true. So the first one is back in John 1. In John 1, 1, what do we see right there in the very beginning of this book? This book that's all about the truth of God. Where does it start? It says, in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. So who was there in the beginning? God. We see it in Genesis 1.1, the first verse of the Bible, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. See, God is unlike us because God never began. He was there in the beginning. He was there before the foundations of the world, there before time itself began. God always has been, and he always will be. You and I, we came into being at some point. For me, it was 1991. For you, it was some other time. All right? I've given you guys a lot of clues to my age. You can figure it out. All right. So, so, God is unlike us because he is what we call pre-existent. He always has been, and he always will be. But what's the rest? What's the rest of that verse back in Genesis 1? I said, in the beginning, God did what? God created the heavens and the earth. See, God is the only thing 
that has existed forever. And he is the only thing in all of existence that is creator rather than creation. He's the only thing in all of existence that is creator rather than creation. In Colossians 1, verses 16 and 17, it says this, By him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the one who created everything. He's the only one who has existed forever, and he is the only one who is the creator of everything. Remember those two categories I gave you earlier, God and everything else? God is the creator, and everything else is created by him and through him and for him. He's different, he's set apart, He is holy. In Psalm 24, verse one, it says this. It says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and those who dwell therein. You see, because God is creator and we are creation, God has authority over us. He made us. He made us on purpose. He made us for a purpose. And because he is the God who made us, because he is the God who holds us together, just as he holds everything else together, he has authority. We belong to him just as everything else in all of creation does. Psalm 24.1, the earth is the Lord and everything in it, the world and those who dwell therein. So that's why God is the objective standard of truth. He's the standard of truth. He decides, he declares what truth is because he is God. Because he created everything that exists, because he rules and reigns over everything that exists, because everything that exists was created by him and for him and through him, and it holds together by the power of his word. So he declares what truth is, and the incredible incredible mercy of God is this, that God does not just declare what truth is, but he makes his truth known to us that we might know the truth as well. He doesn't just say what truth is, declare it in the heavens and hide it from us. He makes his truth known to us that we might know the truth, not your truth, not my truth, the truth. We see this back in John chapter 1. Remember 1, 1 through 3 is in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God in the beginning. He was in the beginning with God and all things were made through him. And without him, not anything was made that was made. And then if we jump down in John chapter 1 to verse 14, we pick up with this. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who's at the Father's side, he has made 
him known. See, truth is real. Truth is objective. There is a standard for truth, and that standard is a person. It is God himself. He declares what is right. He declares what is true, and that God, who is, who is him very, his very self-truth, he became a man. He became a man, and he dwelt among us. The word took on flesh and dwelt among us. See, that eternal word, the word of God, God himself, who was there in the beginning before the foundations of the world, that God who declares what truth is, who makes sense of everything, he took on flesh and he was born as a baby in a town called Bethlehem. And he grew up and he lived a perfect life. And eventually, as we'll talk about this week, he went and he died a sinner's death on the cross and he rose again to new life that we might have new life in him. See, God declares what is true because he is the truth and he reveals truth to us because he shows himself to us in the person of Jesus Christ. Which is why in John 14, chapter, verse six, Jesus says the famous words, I am the way, and the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. So this week, we're going to be asking this question of what is truth? Because some of you might be asking it right now. Maybe you're confused. Maybe your life is hard. Maybe you've gone through some trials, some difficulty. You guys are all at an age right now where your brains are developing and the things that you thought you understood, you're starting to go, I don't really get this anymore because you're thinking about it more deeply. You're thinking about it in a different way, in a more adult way, and you're starting to ask these questions and you want to know what is true. What is the truth? Well, here's the truth. The truth is Jesus Christ. The truth is is that the God who made you, he knows you, he loves you, he came down, he took on flesh for you, that you might know him, that you might know the truth. If you spend your life following your truth rather than the truth, you're going to spend your life purposeless. You're going to waste away your time focused on yourself rather than living out the life that you were created to live, a life of knowing and loving and serving the God who made you, a life firmly founded on the truth of Jesus, living in the truth of who you were genuinely made to be, a follower of your Lord and your King. That's what we're going to be talking about all week long this week. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you are true, that you are the standard of all truth. God, that every word you say is true, that you are the true God. You created everything by just the power of your word. Father, I pray this week for students in here who are maybe confused, who, who don't feel like they know what's really true. They're lost, they're, they're in this treadmill of seeking after their own truth, their own emotions, their own feelings, rather than resting in the truth of Jesus. God, I pray that this week you would open their eyes to the truth of who you are and what you've done, that they might put their faith and trust in you 
that they might live a life of purpose. Not just in this world, but, but in the next. So Father, please just be with us this week. Help us to see your truth. Help us to give ourselves to that truth wholly. In Jesus' name, amen.